Welcome to Raising Healthy Eaters, the podcast. I'm Bridget, your host and founder of Raising Healthy Eaters. This is the last episode of our 10-part series on the do's and don'ts of feeding kids. That's right. It's the last strategy for helping your children become better eaters and resolving stress around meals and eating. We're ending the series with another thing you should do to help achieve this goal. In this series so far, I have talked a lot about what you can do to help your child. Today though, I want to shift the focus to you because in working with families and from being a parent myself, I recognize that pretty intense feelings can arise at mealtime when we witness children's problematic, challenging, potentially questionable eating habits. Picky eating, protests about what was served, not eating enough, not eating enough of a particular food or food group, hello veggies, eating too much, these can all conjure feelings of worry, concern, and distress for a lot of parents, which is completely understandable because we are pretty invested in our children's well-being and it's upsetting to think they're doing things that don't support their health. But that's not the only cause of these intense feelings. What many parents have shared with me is when their kids don't eat well, they start to question their value as a parent. They start wondering, why can't I get my kid to eat? It's a simple job, but I just can't do it. I'm failing at feeding my kids. They're not going to be healthy because I can't figure this out. And there's a lot of blame parents tend to place on themselves. And what happens is these feelings fuel that anxiety and that fear until they grow to a point where even the thought of the next meal puts you on edge. This is a pretty miserable place to be in. And I feel for parents who are going through this. And part of how I see my role in raising healthy eaters is to support parents with this side of feeding kids. And that's why today I'm going to give you guys some ways to handle those feelings and that stress so you're ready to approach meals in a more relaxed way and in a way that allows you to implement all the other tips in this series. As you've probably guessed though, this will help your kids too and I do want to take a minute just to explain that a little bit, but I am going to keep today's episode relatively short and to the point and practical for you. So these feelings that arise during mealtimes that are going in ways that don't match up with our expectations really can shape how we react to our kids eating, meaning that how we behave in the feeding dynamic or those interactions between us and our kids at meals is in response to the concerns that have arisen. And parents usually react by using a lot of those feeding don'ts that I shared early on in this series, largely because it's hard to make a rational decision about what to do when emotions are so high. There has been some pretty interesting research in this area looking at the effect of stress on how parents and caregivers feed kids. While most parents report using structure, which would be things like meal times, family meals, and establishing where meals will be eaten, and a lot of parents also report supporting their child's independence in feeding and eating. 
A lot of those detrimental feeding practices, like getting our jobs mixed up with theirs and letting kids choose what to eat or monitoring them a little bit too closely when they're eating, are still used. And they're used more often when we are stressed or worried about our children's health. When parents are feeling stressed in general or because of a feeding situation, they use pressure tactics more often, particularly if the first part of the day was stressful. So sometimes we end up using these feeding practices even if we're not stressed or concerned about our kids in the moment at a given meal. Sometimes we do it just because we have a high level of stress from other things. However, too much stress can have the opposite effect as well and lead parents to take overly relaxed approaches to feeding. In other words, they might use more indulgent feeding practices like catering to the child's desires or allowing them to eat anything they want whenever they want and setting fewer boundaries or expectations around food and nutrition. And really what these come down to are mixing up those roles of what our jobs are and what our kids' jobs are in the feeding process. But these difficult feelings can also lead us to avoid family meals and be less responsive to our child's feeding or eating needs. Parents also report force feeding and providing more fast food or processed food meals when they're caught up in the negative emotions triggered by eating experiences with their kids. Now, when these feelings and emotions are combined with a parent's own history and relationship with food, food tends to be used to soothe their children's emotions, and a lot of times food is used as a reward, which then teaches the child emotional eating. There have been some really interesting findings about this in specific populations as well. For instance, parents of babies who are formula-fed can overfeed their babies in response to these emotions and stress. This could partially be due to the fact that it can be easier to bottle feed to soothe a baby and end up providing too many bottle feedings as a soothing technique. Parents who have children with developmental disabilities have a high amount of stress related to caring for their children, and they do experience a considerable number of eating and feeding concerns that can then lead to either pressure or restriction. Pressure being used when weight is a concern, usually if kiddos are underweight, and restrictive feeding practices popping up as a reaction to stress in general are what we see in families who have children with these developmental disabilities. For many parents, however, restriction is the tactic they fall back on when the concern is about health or a child's weight. So the takeaway message here is that negative feelings and stress that parents experience, whether it be from work, home, relationships, parenting, or feeding, cause us to use all of the feeding don'ts and stray away from the feeding do's. They also impact our kids' behavior because our tension fuels their tension and they feed off of each other and we enter a cycle where those negative emotions continue to build and the tension continues to rise between us and our kids. Kids become fussier at the table and meals become much less enjoyable. So why do feelings have such a big impact? It's because they create an intense downward spiral of feelings, thoughts, beliefs, 
judgments that repeat themselves and just continue spiraling downward until we're able to recognize it and stop it. So let's look a little closer at how this cycle works. Those intense feelings we have usually are triggered through a process that takes only seconds to happen. And the very first thing that happens in the case of feeding and eating is that we notice a behavior or a choice our kids have made about their eating, whether it be not to eat or having a tantrum about the food we served or not wanting to eat their vegetables. We see this behavior and we perceive it as problematic. So we notice the choice they've made and we decide that's a problematic choice. And then we come to a conclusion about that choice, which we usually don't even realize we're doing because again, this happens in a matter of milliseconds. But the conclusion might be something like, my kid's gonna be overweight or she never eats her veggies and she's not gonna be healthy or he doesn't eat enough and he's not gonna grow well. Then we use that conclusion to make a judgment and this judgment is always about ourselves. So this is where we start hearing things like, I'm a lousy parent. People are going to think I feed them junk all day. This is supposed to be easy. Why can't I do it? Why can't I get this right? And that is when the emotions flood in. Worry, frustration, anger, guilt, fear, confusion, you name it, it hits you. And when those hit you, it is really hard to think clearly and use a helpful approach because they are just welling up inside. So what we really need is a way to deal with these feelings and deal with this cycle so we can avoid reacting in a way that does more harm than good. We can avoid turning to the don'ts of feeding and we can really fall back on those do's of feeding. So I'm not gonna leave you hanging. I'm gonna give you some tips for how to do just that. And the first thing you have to do before you can get into any process of calming yourself down is to make a commitment not to react in these situations. And this can be hard to do. So if you need to put up reminders, go for it. Put little sticky notes up, at the kitchen table, in the dining room, in the kitchen, wherever you need them. Just commit not to react because as hard as it is in the beginning, the more you do this, the easier it becomes because you essentially train your brain to respond differently. The second thing to do is make sure you have established boundaries because usually problems arise when structure is needed around mealtime, whether it be structure from each person's feeding roles and everybody staying in their lane with those roles or for how mealtimes and snacks are handled. And for more information on this structure, you can listen to other episodes in the series. The third thing you want to do is calm down. And I know this is not as easy as it sounds, so I'm going to give you some help here. There are a few different ways you can help yourself to relax and calm down a little bit. And the first is to take a time out. Tell your kids that you need a minute to calm down. I'm stressed out and I need to take a minute to relax. And this is a really neat way to do it because it also shows your child how to handle their own negative emotions. But one thing to consider is that if your child is young enough that they still need to be supervised while they're eating, you don't want to completely remove yourself to where you can't 
keep an eye on them. So you might tell them, I'm going to go sit on the couch for a minute because I need to relax, or I'm going to step into the kitchen for a moment, wash my hands, take a few deep breaths, whatever you need to do to step away, but still be close enough to supervise. Then when you do this, I want you to remind yourself that your child is struggling. Remember, all behavior is communication, and if they're doing things that are triggering you, and if they seem to be having a hard time, or they're not eating in a way you feel they should be, they're struggling, and they need your help. They need your guidance, and so it's really useful if we can stay calm and be that helpful guiding influence. Now, the other way you can achieve some relief in a high stress situation with your kids where your emotions and your concern have been triggered is to use the RAIN method developed by Michelle McDonald and modified by Tara Brock. It's an acronym, R-A-I-N, that takes you through a few steps that really help you get in touch with what's going on. So I'm going to share that with you within the context of feeding and eating concerns with our kids. The R stands for recognize, and this means recognize that you've been triggered. Recognize that you are not feeling good, you're upset, whatever it might be. And usually you have to do this before you can choose not to act rashly and can take those steps to calm down. When you recognize that you have been triggered, you want to identify specifically how you're feeling. So think to yourself or even say it out loud. I feel stressed out. It's making me upset. It's making me angry. I'm losing my appetite. Whatever the impact might be and the feeling is, just state them, acknowledge them. Then we move on to the A, which is allow your feelings to exist and accept the situation without fighting or judging it. This can be hard to do because I think most of us are used to fighting those feelings. It doesn't feel good to be stressed out. It doesn't feel good to be upset. And we don't want to be feeling that way. The problem is when we fight them, they get worse and they persist. When we accept them, however, and we decide we're just going to let it be, they dissipate pretty quickly. Allow the feelings to exist and just be there. Then you want to move on to I, which is investigate. This means to get curious about why you've been triggered. What fear or concern or belief has been summoned? What are you thinking about your child and their health and their eating habits? What are you thinking about you and your value and your ability and your worth as a parent because of how the feeding process is going? Look at those to find out why this has been such an emotional process or experience for you. And then if you can, you might also look at the feeding dynamics to see if there's anything that needs to be changed. How are you approaching the meals and your child's eating? Is there room for some improvement there? Now, once you've done this and you realized what that underlying belief or fear is, You want to nurture yourself because you need to be comforted just as much as your kids do sometimes. Give yourself some reassurance that you are taking care of your responsibilities and you are doing the best you can. And hey, you're listening to this podcast. You've listened to this series. You're learning what to do. You're learning what not to do and you're practicing it and it takes time. So give yourself some credit. Remind yourself that you are following these tips, you are doing your best, and things will start to improve. 
Once you've gone through this process, you should be feeling a little bit more calm. You should be feeling a little bit more relaxed or at least able to see clear enough that you can take the appropriate action. And in this case, using any of the tips and strategies that I've shared with you throughout this series would be those appropriate actions. So if your child is saying they're full after only eating a quarter of the food on their plate, the tip would be, okay, are you really full? Have you had enough to eat? And I know doing that can trigger some feelings in and of itself. So just go back through this process, but know that you've used a helpful strategy in that situation. Those are the ways you can work through these emotions that pop up when we are feeding our kids and we feel like it's not going well or they're not eating the way we want them to. I know I referenced back to a lot of tips and strategies from other episodes. So if you missed any of those, go back and listen to them. That way you have all of the ways to handle kids during mealtimes. Just take notes and jot them down so you can refer back to it as needed. But if you find that you're still really struggling with this and things don't seem to be getting any better or your concern is just too great, consider joining Raising Healthy Eaters so I can support you personally and offer advice tailored to your situation because a lot of times that makes all the difference. In the meantime, feel free to send any of your questions, comments, or topic requests to me through uh, Instagram or Facebook. You can find the links to those pages in the show notes along with the research looked at when I developed today's episode. I really hope this was helpful for you and I want to let you know that I understand how you feel when you're dealing with these feeding challenges and I know that it can be really hard and it doesn't feel good. Know that you're understood, you're not the only one, and that we are here to support you if you need it, so just reach out. Thank you for being here with me today and supporting this podcast. I really appreciate you listening and taking the time. I know your time is limited, so thank you for taking your few moments of free time to listen here. Next week, we will start with some new and fun topics. Until then, try to enjoy a meal with your kids. 